there. Those are clans back there. I've got a lot to say here this morning. I'm trying to ask God how, what order he's going to do this in. I'm so glad that we had a worship service like we had right then because to me it, it's a statement of faith. Uh, in the spite of all the pains that life brings, which is uh, challenging sometimes, uh, we still have a kingdom to live in. And Satan can challenge you. Sometimes you take more than you can handle. And God can uh, be sometimes uh, away from you, you see, it seems like. Where is he? And yet he never leaves you. But you're not, you're not certain about yourself during hard times sometimes. But we walk by faith. That's what we walk by. And as this church is particularly... We need to reinforce that occasionally. That we are a spirit-filled church that walks by faith, accessing the grace of God. We need to remind ourselves of that. This is truth. It's not something to defend. It doesn't need defending. It's just truth. And so we look for victories. We look for uh, overcoming, because this is what we're called to. But we are also realists, and we know that sometimes life can knock you sideways. It's like life, someone said this, I think this is actually pretty good. Uh, life is like a, a railroad track. Two rails. And on the one is what we just described, the goodness, the overcoming, the victories, the blessings. The other rail is the challenges of life. And sometimes they're overwhelming. But you still have the two rails. And you just have to accept life for, for what it is. And know that there's going to be troubles. And at the same time, believe that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our own testimony. Now, for over a year, we've been talking about a time coming where everything is going to be shaken. It feels like we're in that time today. Uh, let's turn over, if you would, to Hebrews 12. This is a scripture that we used. And then we'll make some announcements here. Uh, <clears throat> Hebrews 12:25. I read this. Started, I looked at my notes, and I, and I actually started talking about this a year ago in in, uh, in September. And I happened to come and, and spoke to it as well. 25 of chapter 12 says, "See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying." Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Shaking. Lots of stuff being shaken right now. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Not only here locally, but in our nation. Everywhere we look, it is heating up. So that the, the, the end game can be true. That the kingdom of God 
will be what we live in. Because it can't be shaken. And we, hopefully we will flee to it in times like this. Now, here's some stuff. I mean, we know what's going on around us. She did Andrews. My Lord, the things that have been going on in Andrews are not normal. Have you noticed the, the tenor of things, even in the newspaper, uh, the crimes that are being committed in this town and things like were never committed in Andrews. I mean, brutal things. Awful things. So things are changing. And uh, and, and God is, is, is moving as well. Now, I have some things I need to tell you about this. Uh, we have, uh, uh, I've been working on the schedule and uh, scheduled Al Houghton to be in here November the 18th and 19th. So that's our next thing. Um, but he had a little problem this weekend, or just last, in the last week. He, he, he had some problems with his uh, chest. And uh, went, went to the doctor, and uh, they told him, said, we can't do any tests on you unless you have symptoms, such as shortness of breath or pain. The fact that your parents had these issues don't matter no more. Not in the new world of Medicare. So he took another walk, and he said, you know, I did have shortness of breath. He didn't want to violate his integrity of his Christian walk. You know, he wasn't going to lie. But he went and did, took another walk. He had shortness of breath. So they went ahead and did a test. And they, they ran this test on me. This is where it is they do. And they thought they saw maybe something on one side of his heart, but not on the other. When they got in there, it was on the other side that they found an artery that was 97% blocked. It was almost dead. And other arteries, there are definitely going to be issues. That close to dying. Again. Okay? Uh, but typical Al, you know, he's going to bounce back and he'll be here. The other thing I, uh, that I put on the schedule is uh, Sue Hart uh, coming in on November the 1st for a couple of weeks. Uh, even has some people lined up uh, to have her, you know, come to minister to. But I got a text message this morning from uh, Jill O'Brien, and uh, Sue was walking, uh, I guess, this morning or yesterday morning, and fell and damaged her head. She's bleeding in the head, and they don't think she's going to recover. So, there's serious things going on at every level, in every way. And we need to understand that. And so what do we do? Yeah, what do we do? Do we freak out? You know, I heard that news this morning. I thought, oh, my God. You know, Jill said she'd been crying nonstop for five hours. That's a good, good friend. I love Sue. Isaiah 57 one says, The righteous perish and no one lays it to heart. The righteous are taken out for the evil that is to come. That might be appropriate for Sue. You know, what about Al? He's a, I think he's a warrior. I think he's called to the war that's ahead of us. And so, uh, you know, I can see him I can see him making it through. But, you know, folks, it's not the only thing that's being shaken right now. That's just one thing. What about your life? A year ago, when I first started talking about this, I... Uh, I uh, asked the question to myself, God, 
Can I be shaken? Can I be shaken too? The reason I even asked that question is because I had just been to the doctor and he diagnosed me with macular degeneration, which causes uh, over the long haul blindness in your vision right in front of you. It really rattled me. I mean, that, that hit me on a personal level like nothing you can believe. Um, I mean, I had a long, long history with God over my eyes. It's just real, real personal. So that rocked my boat. And that's why I was asking the question, well, can I be shaken? And scripturally, I found, you know, no, no, we're not of those that are to be shaken, but the things in our life that need to be shaken off will be. And I had to go back to, uh, okay, what has the Lord spoken to me? concerning my life. And I went back and I actually found things. One of them was, uh, actually it was when Jill O'Brien was here. He reminded me of a life scripture. One that was given to me in 1983. When he said, a prophet came in and read Joshua 1 to me. And said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then he went on. And I went back to that scripture. I thought, whoa, now hang on here. If that word is true, and I have lived it out, I think I'm pretty sure it's true, then I would have grabbed all of it. Because when Moses died in 120, his eyes were not dim. Neither was his strength diminished at all. And so I, by faith, reached out to what had been spoken to me and said yes to that. So last week, I go back to the uh, I offer, in fact, at this time, they think I may have also glaucoma, which causes blindness on your peripheral vision. Uh, your, yeah, so, your peripheral. So I have both of them. Sounds like blindness to me. And so, the shaking. And I'm wrestling with God. And he reminded me of what he had told me already. And so I'm trying my best to add faith to what he has said to me. And folks, that's where you, I think, honestly, that's where God is leading the body of Christ. Because you won't have anything else to look to for your answers in life. Health, relationships, finances, see the mark of the beast. There's a point coming where the body has got to be in a place where they cannot be shaken. Well, how do you get there? You're tested. You're tested. And so I get the news today that Sue is probably going to die. I almost died. It's on. The suffering, the shaking is on. And so... Uh, I want to go to some other areas where it's on as well, because don't think this is a, all that's happening, folks. Sometimes we get a kind of a, a tunnel vision as to what's going on in life, thinking it's just about me. No, 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 no. There's much, much more going on. And you need to get the bigger vision so that maybe you can understand what's going on with you. So I want to point to a few other things today. Shaking. So that we can receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's his goal. As we get to the end, count on this. 
the shaking will happen. We may or may not be at the beginning stages of that shaking. It seems that way to me, but I've been wrong before. So I'm not going to sit there and bet my last dollar on it, but, you know, it just kind of feels that way. Everywhere I turn, everything I see has the element of shaking going on in it. Does it kind of get to you? How many of you feel a little disturbed in the last week? A little disturbed. How about a lot disturbed? Look over at Luke, chapter 21. Luke 21. Jesus speaks about this. This will continue. If it started right now, it will continue until it's over. Even if it hasn't started right now, it's coming. You can count it. So at the end, that's what's going to, you're going to see it. I will shake it again. And Jesus puts the context of it for us right here when I ask him, when will you come back? And what are the signs of that? And so one of the scriptures that talks about this is in Luke 21. And let's just pick up a few things about that when he, when he was describing what it's going to be like. Verse 25 says this, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, and I get this, boy, does this describe things? On the earth, distress of nations. Y'all feel that right now? Distress. That, this is where, where things are closing in on you. Kind of like birth pipes. You're Distress of nations with perplexity. Perplexity is a, what a, what a word. That word has always stood out to me. Perplexity. Where you really don't know which way to turn. You have no idea of what to do. There is no answer. And it's not like you're not looking because you almost have to look. Given what's coming at you. But everywhere you turn, darkness. So that's coming upon the nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now look at 26. This is, this is going on. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So there's a promise. It's coming. And the, the knowledge of that, I mean, if you know the Bible, especially, you, you, you actually see these things and go, you know what, that could be the end. Now, if you don't know God, I guess you just kind of wonder what the heck's going on. But people's hearts failing them because of the fear of the faith and the distress and the perplexity. What is happening? So, anyway, it's, it's part of the shaking. You know, there's troubling feelings going on. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is destroying there. So the promise is, is that, you know, Jesus is going to come. And we will move on. During this time, now we're going to pivot for a minute. During this time of shaking, it isn't just the fact that the world is crazy, which it is. It's more than that. It's like you can't get away from it. Look over earlier in this chapter. Look at verse 
16. During this time, verse 16, you, this is individual, this is personal, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, friends, and they will be put, some of you, to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. And on and on. So betrayal by people that are close to you. These are people that we don't care about. You know, this isn't the other, the other Democratic Party or the other Republican Party or this isn't anything like that. This is close to you. Real close to you. So, let me tell you what. That is a huge shaking itself. Is when the very structure of your relationships are challenged, shall we say. Even shockingly so. Where that where things are done that you just cannot believe that they would do that to you. Because you love them. And yet there it is. Uh, the reality is right in front of your face. There's no getting around it. There it is. Well, in Matthew's version of the same question, look over there at Matthew 24. Let's drill down a little bit because he gets into a little bit more over this issue of this betrayal. Matthew 24, verse 10. Here's why. And then, verse 10, many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. What causes this betrayal and hate? They're offended. They're offended. That's this word, Greek word, skandalizo. It means that a stumbling block was put in the way of this relationship. And what it does is it causes the participants to distrust one another and desert one another. Scandalizo. And because of this work of offense, scandalizo, they start to betray. And they begin to hate. You know, it's interesting. Some of the hardest things to deal with is like in a marriage, uh, when they were once so in love, Things happen in, you know, all my exes live in Texas. You know, where those songs come from? They turn completely over. They go a 180 from great love to hate. The intensity of the emotion is like just it's like on the other side of the card. Like, wow. When you're involved that deep emotionally, there's many avenues in which it can take when things don't go the right way. And that's what's going to be ahead of us. Okay? Betrayal. Keep reading. Verse 11. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive me during that time. Jeez, I wonder if that has anything to do with the family thing. Are we all a part of the body of Christ? A family? Prophets are part of the body of Christ. But there's going to be some apostles. That's going to be a part of it. And look at this. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound... I don't have to do what God says. I'll do my own thing. i got a special dispensation from the Holy Spirit. Good luck on that. 
because of that, the, the willingness to disobey causes the love of many to grow cold. And see, love is what makes us special. Love for one another. Love for God. That's what makes us different. That's how the world will know that Jesus came, is because we have this love for one another. And because of this lawlessness that's coming, it's already here. That thing will begin to wax cold, as the King James says. Grow cold, become lukewarm even. And so, you know, it, it's moving on. And the trigger was offense. Look at John 16. John 16. Hope you have a, a real Bible, not one of those electronic ones. Ha, ha, ha. That was a huge shot, Larry. Thanks. That's what I do. Keep you on your toes. Because if you had a real Bible, you'd be able to see what I see. You see a whole page. See, the whole page, the whole page. It's like red there. And on the other side, more red. Wow. Red letter edition. Before chapter 16, look back at chapter 15. If you had a real Bible, you'd be able to see the whole thing. Well, I'll stop with your head. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not really. <laughs> Get over it. Verse 15, uh, look at the, the caption above chapter 15, verse 18. What's it say? If you had a real Bible. The world's hatred is what's going to follow in this real Bible. And then look at the caption above verse 26. The coming rejection. Okay? So the world's hatred and the coming rejection Leads up to, us up to chapter 16, verse 1, where he says, These things I've spoken to you, lest you should not be made to be offended. Sandalizo. Some of them say stumble. Same word. So we know he's, what Jesus is doing. He's preparing us for what's going to happen. I'm letting you know in advance. The world's going to hate you. The world's going to reject you. Okay. To just get ready for that. I'm telling you this so that when it comes, you won't be one who gets offended. And your love grow cold. And you become to betray people that you walk with. Did that go right over your head? Was that like one, two, three, simple, A, B, C? I'm just giving you a heads up. Jesus said. Now we don't, some people are not going to hear what I'm saying or what he said because he doesn't mean he will be offended. <laughs> but it doesn't have to happen to you if you will listen to me today. Amen? Alright, so let's just keep reading. Then they will put you out of the synagogues. Now hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who is able to put me out of a synagogue? Only Jewish people. But now we're going to fast forward into the church. Well, now we're talking about what goes on in these four walls here, right? 
We're not talking about what the world's going to do. We went from the world that's going to hate us, and now he's zeroing in, bringing it even closer. Inside the church. They will put you out, yet the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now that term, God service, is an interesting term. It literally means Levitical duties. He will think that he, because he's a Christian, that he is being led by God to cast you out because you are wrong. And the perfect example of that was Saul of Tarsus. He went around, because he was in the Levitical thing, seeing all these people mention the name Jesus, that they needed to be cast out of the synagogue and put to death. And he was doing a great job of this until he got met on the way to Damascus and he got knocked off his donkey. And the Spirit spoke to him and Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. When you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you're doing it to me. He thought he was doing God's service. Now the time is coming. Where it not only is the world, but it is in the church. That if they cast you out, they think that they're doing God's service. You don't get me? Do you know that seven years ago to the day, Bob Jones, the prophet, prophesied that there is a coming civil war in the church. I see civil war coming in America. And that bothers me bad. But the civil war in the church is a shaking of intensity. Even those close to you. What could cause that to happen? Do you suppose? It's pretty serious. Verse 4 says, Three says, these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father, nor me. They don't know him. They think they do, but they don't. Look over at John, just for real fast. John 5. I want to show you something here. Who are these people? Bob Jones says the Civil War itself is going to be between the gray matter, the brain, and the heart, the spirit. It's going to be a battle between those who want to serve God out of their intellect versus those who want to serve God out of their spirit. Dig that. Jesus talking to those who used to serve God by their intellect. The Jews said this, but, you know, do they know him or not? Look at verse 37. The Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You, the Jews, the Pharisees, the scribes, have neither heard his voice at any time. That's interesting. You know what, folks, in our world today, in the Christian world today, if you say, I hear his voice, you know what they're going to say about you? 
You're crazy. Now, when that, when that point gets made in the church, I'm scared. How many of you think you hear the voice of God? You should all be raising your hands because the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. It's as simple as that. Don't complicate it. My sheep hear my voice, and another you won't follow. If you're a Christian, you do hear the voice of God. Now, you may not recognize it, but let me just tell you that. If you're a first starter, here's how it often, often goes. It's usually faults that you get. And a lot of times you tell that that's God because it's not a fault that you would have. I remember one time God told me to go substitute teach when I quit my, uh, my corporate American job and got full-time ministry. Go substitute teach. I thought, What? That was the Holy Spirit speaking to me because I didn't want to go substitute teach. So you got to do freaking mine. Well, I'm just saying, exactly like that, but close. Real close. That's an example of hearing his voice. That was God. And I've had a bunch of those. The more you learn to believe it, that he does speak, and you're supposed to hear him, the more you will start understanding what you're hearing is from him. I hope that helps you. Okay, it didn't. So what? <laughs> Keep going. All right. You have not even heard his voice, nor seen his form. 38. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. His word is that part which appeals to our intellect. The Logos. I can read this book all day long. If I read this with my mind and not my heart, I'm not getting it all. There's more. Let me give you another example. You know, when I first got saved, you know, you guys heard my testimony a million times. Well, after I, you know, came home from Vegas and uh, decided to work it out, you know, by getting stoned and drunk for 14 days in a row, trying to get that out of my head, I finally understood I can't get it out of my head. That's in my heart. So I grabbed the Bible. And I read Genesis 1, the first chapter. And I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit that even though there's not one word in there about marijuana, I went and pulled up my marijuana plants. Now, how can that happen? Because the Spirit is in the Word, if you let it be. He can take something in that word and just move through you and lead you to areas you're not even thinking about. I felt better when I pulled it up. Then I gave all my stuff away. So, but Jesus said, the word, you read this word, but there's something missing. Keep reading. Verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now, folks, look at verse 45. Do not think that I'm going to accuse you to the Father. There's one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, the Logos, then how will you believe my words, the Rhema? The writing is words of the, of, the, of the Bible that the Holy Spirit speaks to you right now. 
So, do they know the Father? No, because they won't let the Spirit in. Now, what's happening right now in the body of Christ, I'll just tell you the truth, there's a civil war coming. It's all over the Holy Spirit. And those who will and will not let it in. Now, you've heard us talk about some are saying that this Pope that we have today is a false prophet. That could be. It could be. I know this. I don't trust that guy. I don't like what I see. He is one of the ones that's very critical of churches like this and says they're not Christians. But he looks at the denominations within America, Protestant denominations, who refuse to let the Holy Spirit in and cause them Christian. So, what do you think? Think there's a civil war brewing between those who are legalistic, serving God only with their, and those who walk in the Spirit. I think He's here. Okay, are y'all with me? And they will think they're doing God's service by casting us out. Well, you know, this issue is actually an issue of who's right. You ever had that problem in a marriage? Who's right? <laughs> Don't keep working on that. Matthew 18. That issue has always been around. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, this will always be an issue. If I could phrase it a different way, it's this way. Who is greatest in the kingdom? That's the issue. It's your motivation. Jesus talked about it here. Verse 1, he said, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And we want a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You can't even go in unless you become like a little child. Converted, which means you turn a 180 from the way you do walk to a new way and become like a little child. That's a little word. The word child is just a... Greek word, pohideon, it means a one, a little child. And, and under the Old Testament law, it's, uh, little children had no rights at all. So unless you become one who feels like I have no rights at all. Uh, the NET version said it really is pointing to someone who has a trusting spirit. One who is willing to be dependent upon others and to receive from others. Unless you become willing to receive from others. You're not even going to enter the kingdom. You don't think about that one as we go forward. Because when you get into conversations with other people and they're unwilling to receive anything from you, back off. Just get away. You're not going to change anybody. That ain't up to you. Get out of there. So he says, become like a little child. You won't even enter. Therefore, Verse 4, whoever humbles himself 
as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. So humility is an absolute prerequisite to get where we want to go. Folks, I'll tell you, God's been on me so hard here in the last month. Humble yourself. You can choose to do that, by the way. You can humble yourself. You can choose that. The alternative is God can do it for you. I don't recommend it. But he will get you there. If you, if you love him and he loves you, humility is the ticket. Might as well choose it. Then he says a couple of interesting things. And I think this is necessary of how we conduct our affairs as we move forward. Verse 5, whoever receives one little child like this in my name, receives me. So when you find people who are humble, who really have a spirit of meekness like Jesus did, then you can receive them, and you receive in Jesus. Don't get it. You don't have to fight. What if they have different doctrines? They will. They will. They will. Anybody married? You have a different doctrine than your spouse? Concerning anything? How about everything? So what do you do? You love them. That's a ticket to hell. At least to the couch. No, the only way, only way you're going to stay married is to love one another. That's it, period. Love covers the multitude of sins. Love covers everything wrong. It's the ticket. Alright? So, when you receive someone like that, you receive it, Jesus said, now look at the next verse, verse 6. But, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Now that word sin, sin that leads them to be offended. If you cause them to be stumble, and even go to the point of sinning, it would be better for you if a millstone was hung around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's pretty specific and pretty clear. Don't do it. Don't get in fights. Look at Matthew 20. What do we do? This issue was continuously before the disciples. I mean, even on the night that Jesus was uh, betrayed, and did the Lord suffer with his, with his disciples? Even there, they were fighting among themselves as who was the greatest. It is a part of being a flesh person. Until the cross is applied to you, it will rule you. That's the truth. Look at the little kids. Do kids fight? Of course they fight. Or what? Everything. If one gets a toy, and the other one has already thrown it away. I mean, immediately, they don't want that same toy. It's in us. And until the cross is applied, it's in you. You can choose the cross and take your will like a little child and subdue it. But you've got to choose that. Amen? So, in Matthew, he talks about this issue again. And this time, it's in the, uh, look at chapter 20, verse 21. Um, verse 20. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with, uh, with her sons, kneeling down to ask him something from him. And he said, what do you wish? He says, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. You think that might have made anybody mad? 
If you're full of selfish ambition or vainglory or, you know, I want to be the greatest, of course that's going to make you mad. They're not trying to beat me to the punch. Use his mother. That's cheating. And sure enough, he made them all mad. It's just another way of saying they wanted to be the greatest in the kingdom. Right next to Jesus. Right hand, left hand. You don't get closer. And he says, well, I can't do that. And then he answers it. in another way, it says, verse 24, when the king heard it, of course, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. All right. Slave and servant. Slave and servant. These are two Greek words. They actually are pointing to the same person. The word uh, servant is diakonos. It means like deacons. To minister. This word points to the things that a servant does. His activities. The other word, plus the same guy, just instead of pointing to what he does, it points to his relationship, okay, with the one he's serving. It is a word called doulos. And a doulos gives himself wholly to another person's needs. And a doulos, his will is consumed in the will of the other. So I'll get that one. That was a good one. His will. If I want, Jesus called us to this. Be a servant and a slave. Your will becomes your issue. Because now my will, in order to be a doulos, has to be submitted and subverted and consumed in the will of my God. And Jesus even showed us how to pray, did he not? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what did he say in the garden? Not my will, but yours be done. Amen? He's not kidding. And when he came, when he came to lift his he took on the form of a servant. A doulos. Now, every apostle and writer of the Bible finally got that. Every one of them. I'll just, let me just read it all to you. You don't have to go through these. But Jesus in Philippians 2, 7 called himself a doulos. Peter in first in second Peter one one, a doulos. James in James one one. Jude in Jude one one. Paul in Romans one one. And John the, uh, the Apostle in Revelation one one. Every one of them referred to themselves as the doulos of Jesus. So they have submitted themselves completely to his will. And that's what we have to do, folks. When we get into these contentions and these the civil war. You can't go in there with guns blazing. You're doing your will. You've got to hear him. Now, he might tell you to get your gun out. I don't know. But you better hear him pretty clearly. Amen? Well, Mark 9. Mark 9. Mark's version of the little child. They all have a little thing different to add to this picture. (laughs) 
verse 33. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. There we go. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. There we go. The servant. If you want to be great, you got to go that way instead. Then he took a little child, sitting in the midst of them. And when he had taken them, him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, we read this earlier. Now, John answered. He, we're in the same conversation. And John is responding to what Jesus just said about being like a little child. John answered him and said, Peter, we saw someone else who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against you, us, is on our side. Now that's interesting. I asked the question a while ago. As we, as we deal with this civil war issue, it's going to start separating people. But who should you be hanging with? Well, won't they have a different doctrine? They will. But, man, this is where you need to hear the Holy Spirit. Because if they are casting out demons or any other miracle in his name, they're probably on our side. Now, you may say, but what about those false prophets that you spoke of earlier, a couple of weeks ago? That they're also going to come in this time, casting out demons, doing all kinds of miracles in his name. And Jesus tells them what? Depart from me, you who work lawlessness, real key, and depart from me. I never knew you. So how do we divide this? If they're not against us or for us, and yet they're doing the same things that these false guys are doing. I mean, how do you divide that? Let God. Let God divide that. How about that? Don't be what I call a spiritual dung beetle. Y'all know what dung beetles are. I hope you don't, because I, I love to describe them. They're little beetles, and they roam around trying to find a pile of poop anywhere. Oh, poop. And they go to the poop, and they stick their nose in it. Watch where you put your nose in other people's business. And they make a little ball out of some of that poop. And then they push it along in front of them with their nose. Hold it. Don't be a spiritual dung beetle. There's poop everywhere. Deal with your own. You know, and let me tell you what, when you, when, you, when you get tripped up by this spirit that wants to cause civil war and point out what's wrong with everybody else's poop, good luck with Jesus. You are offending him. 
Because you're offending these people who have chosen to be humble. I've been running to people here lately. It blows my mind. I mean, some of them, I mean, we have issues over stuff like abortion. These are not small issues. And yet God is saying, join yourself to them. Why? They love Him. That's way above my pay grade, God. And it should be. When we and pairs are separated at the end, it ain't us doing it, folks. It's the angels of God. It ain't us. You ain't the cop. Did y'all hear all that? Last night, our goal is in Romans 14. Turn there. By the way, in that scripture we just left, it also talked about offending the little ones. Skip the leaves, though. Do not do it. Verse 1 of 14. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to, to disputing over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things. That would be me. But he who is weak only, only eats vegetables. Well, that ain't any of you guys. <laughs> Money for everybody. No. <clears throat> First thing. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Now, this is about food. Of course, this is a big issue in that day because they were coming out of the law. Where they, I mean, you could eat pork. My God. No ribs. How about bacon? They had perfume they bacon today. So... You know, that was a big issue in their, in their worship deal. And there's other things today, okay? We were talking with the pastors the other day. And I was describing to them what happened to us 20 years ago when they, we first started getting together. And they sent me out, because I wasn't there that day. They judged, they, they judged me. They voted me to go ask everybody what is the creed for this ministerial alliance. 20-something guys. Go interview them all and find out what it is that we all can agree to, and this is our creed. Oh, what about the Apostles' Creed? Can we use that? Oh, no. What about John 3, 16? Oh, no. And what I found was the one thing that we all agree on is that Jesus is Lord. And we can pray in his name. And that was it. That was it. We quit talking about purgatory. We get to talking about once saved, always saved. We no longer talk about baptism of the dead, for the dead, and on and on and on. Things that separate us and that I still would disagree with you on. It ain't about eating ribs. It's how you baptize. We found that most of those things really don't matter that much. They not matter to you. But don't think that because you believe that you can only get baptized when you're 14 and not at, at birth, that, that, that that's going to keep those people from going to heaven. Really? Really? Listen to them pray. Wow. They seem to love him. 
as much as I do. Very humbling. Amen? So let's not get into disputes about small stuff. Let's find out who loves Jesus. Uh, that's a real, real key. Who, whose Lord are, is their Lord? Keep reading here. Verse 4. And here's one for you. You should underline this. I want to test Bibles, even electronic Bibles, because I know you can underline those daggum things. Underline verse 4. Who are you to judge another one's servant? We're talking about servants all along. We're supposed to be servants. Who are you to judge them? To his own master, he stands or he falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So as we're real willing to start shooting darts at all these people out there who preach in the name of Jesus, and I know some of them have doctrines that we'd like to kick them. Maybe we should back off a little bit. And I'm going to be the first one to repent of that. Last time I was up here, I nailed some of them. Uh, you know, and, and the next week I had a real time with Jesus. He said, you know, you get really close to the line. I've already told you, but don't do that. Sorry, 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 sorry. I ain't going to do that. I ain't putting my hands on nobody. Point out errors and doctrine all day long, but don't, don't you go to the next step and say, they're antichrist, or they're a false prophet, or they're not this. Really, you're flirting with danger. Who are you? To judge another man's servant. That guy. His servant. No, I'm just, I'm warning you. Now you, some of you are going to do it anyway. I know you will. My hands are clean. When your butt is kicked over your shoulders, you'll know. I should have listened. And why would I say that? Because I've done those cartwheels before. Don't do it. Here's what you should do. Look down at verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt, look down on, for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to, of himself to God. Therefore, and here's your goal, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Don't put a stumbling block or a scandalizo cause to fall in your brother's way. We just read three verses, uh, chapters out of the New Testament, Jesus' own words. Don't do that. Don't cause one of these little ones to scandalizo, to stumble, to be offended, to sin. Just resolve that in your heart. Just don't do that. And you find yourself going there, stop yourself. Tie your tongue into a knot. If you're already starting to do that, your tongue is that long anyway. Just go ahead and tie it into a knot. You've got plenty to work with. And you come laying on the altar. <laughs> Was it I had a date? Came over here, laid on there. Oh, God, we don't have an altar big enough for that tongue. An elephant would be jealous. So I'm the first to repent. I repent. I don't mind challenging people's doctrines. But I am reminded most of those people out there that we're critical of, 
were called by God. Man, they may have slipped and all kinds of stuff and made errors, but they ain't my servant. My hands are off. And I am sorry if I let anyone astray on that issue. I said, you would forgive me for that. And they can take a page out of my book. Don't do that. But the civil war is coming. And the temptation to do that is going to be strong. It's honest now. Amen. So learn anything today? Father, I'll pray that we can learn. We need to learn. Wow. What should we learn? Maybe we should say the question this way. From whom should we learn? Jesus, you said, come and learn from me. I am meek and humble. And we'll find rest for our soul. Jesus, would you speak again? Speak to us. Speak to me. Let me hear you. And let it have its effect upon my heart. I want to be like you. I do. So I choose to bow my knee. I choose to let go of opinions and all that stuff. I'm just going to look at you like a little child. Like I don't know really anything except I know I love you. And I receive from you. You're all I need. So what, what goes on around doesn't matter. I'll look to you, the one that cannot be shaken, and the one that holds me by my hand. Thank you for what you did in our worship service today, God. And reminding us to, to walk with you by faith. Thank you. Thank you. We give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.